Hi everyone, welcome to episode 95 of the Twisted Stitches podcast. My name is Twee and I'm your host. Uh, Today I am recording on Sunday, August 30th, 2020. Hi guys, how are you? Um, If you aren't caught up on your podcast, maybe you've had no idea what's going on, but I haven't podcasted in six months or so. Um, That seems really insane to me to think about that now, to actually say it out loud, but it's true. Uh, The last uh, episode that we recorded was, I think on March 18th or so, (laughs) right at the beginning of this crazy pandemic. Um, And I recorded that with Kimberly, uh, who is usually my co-host. But yeah, um, we haven't recorded since then. Um, Actually, to give ourselves a break, uh, we did actually record an episode sometime in May, but uh, we recorded it over Skype and there was an audio issue uh, where one of us had an echo. And unfortunately, I just didn't, I just thought it would be way too annoying to one, re-record or to put it out. And, you know, I'm sure some of you guys would have been awesome and listened anyway, but I just thought it would be super, super annoying. So we scrapped that one. And yeah, I just haven't recorded since then. Um, If you haven't caught up with us, um, Kimberly is sort of on a hiatus. Um, She announced this even before the pandemic that she wanted to sort of take a break from podcasting and maybe just, you know, do it when she had time. She just wanted to spend more time, you know, with family and actually knitting and doing other things. And um, that was even before the whole pandemic happened. And now I think even more so she's just I mean like all of us um you know just trying to stay mentally and physically healthy and you know just spending a lot of time you know with her family um but we still talk pretty much every day um and she's doing fine and all that good stuff so um but yeah it's been hard you know I knew this was going to happen um even without a pandemic but motivating to podcast by myself um, at least for me, is much more difficult than when I am podcasting with her because um, it's just so much easier to, I think, um, bounce ideas off each other and just chat like, you know, we always do. Um, and just to, you know, also having to set up a time with someone else really forces you to, like, record when you have, you know, when you set up that time. So anyway, um, yeah, it's been six months and, uh, yeah, a lot has, has happened. Um I don't know if I'm going to get to it all in this episode, just because I feel like so much time has passed. And even in that episode we um, didn't use, uh, we did talk about a lot of things, like how we're doing through this whole thing. Um, But yeah, so I don't know how much I'll get into that here. Maybe at the end of the episode, I'll I'll talk a little bit about my pandemic life. Um, But if you guys follow on social media, you guys have probably seen what we've been up to a little bit, at least. Um... But yeah, I hope you guys have been doing okay and staying, you know, safe and healthy. Um, I've been able to work from home this whole time. Um, pretty much weirdly, yeah, like my birthday was in March and my work office, we could see, you know, the writing on the wall and like it was, we we're going to have to quarantine at some point. And we had a test a day. We were going to test one day. Um, where everyone worked from home to see if all our systems worked and, you know, just troubleshoot. Um, But literally, on the day of the test, 
uh, we got an email in the middle of that day saying starting next week on Monday, it was a Thursday, um, on Monday we would all be working home for, it said two weeks. Um, and yeah, so I went in the next day on Friday, you know, got most of my stuff that I thought I would need for you know, maybe the next month or two, just in case. And I, yeah, started working from home and um, haven't been back since, uh, which seems really crazy. Um, like so crazy. I mean, I talk to my coworkers all the time and we always tell, keep telling each other this is insane. Um, but we're really lucky we can work from home. Um, you know, not much has changed. I mean, I miss my coworkers. Um, I miss, you know, I don't have a desk, which I should probably get at some point. Um, but yeah, like just work itself. Like I've been able to do from home. And so I'm really lucky. Uh, so those of you who can't, um, or essential workers or who have a job, you know, that's, you know, maybe by now has called you back, like, you know, just know that I appreciate you. And hopefully by me staying home, that'll help you guys so that there aren't so many people around. So yeah, that's that. So yeah, I've just been home working from home, just so you guys know, if you haven't been keeping up, um, hang on, let me drink water. Cause talking about yourself takes a lot more energy. Hang on. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to get into the knitting and we can get more into other things later on. So, uh, first up is whip it. Um, let me just say too, that, I mean, now it's been six months. I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was not knitting very much at all. Then there was a period where I was. And then, I mean, now it's kind of just sporadic. I, I do think the pandemic has taken sort of a an emotional toll on me where I'm just really tired a lot of times. And, um, at least for me, knitting, even like sort of mindless knitting requires, um, at least physically to be able to do something like sitting up and like, you know, I'm starting new projects. I always talk about this with my friends, my knitting friends that starting new projects, at least for me, takes so much mental bandwidth. It's like choosing the yarn, choosing the colors, um, you know, gauge, like what size, if you're making a garment and then casting on, you know? So, I just wish sometimes that I just had a bunch of projects that I was really into, but sort of like past that stage of planning and casting on. I got to get there. I mean, maybe there's just one day where I just need to, you know, pick a bunch of projects and cast on everything. But yeah, so that sort of hindered some of my knitting for me. I've just been trying to find really easy things to knit. Um, but I have done some knitting. So, all right, what I've been working on... Um, during somewhere in the middle, I think of the pandemic, um, my friends and I started a little, just our own group knit along called the shawl stay home cal. Um, and that's been really fun. We decided on a mosaic theme. Um, first we were going to try to knit the same project, but then we couldn't agree on which project. And I think someone suggested mosaic knitting, uh, which we all had either wanted to try or had tried, but wanted to do more of. So um, I picked a pattern called Herbarium by Lisa Hannes, and if you haven't seen her pattern, she actually has a lot of shawls, and then also a lot of shawls with mosaic knitting. So if you're interested in that, like, she's a good person to just kind of look towards um, if you just need some ideas. Uh, she has a lot of um, mosaic knitting shawls. Um, this is one of the popular ones in my group. I think at least two or three of us um, chose it, and... I decided to use two colors. Um, one's like sort of a, an electric 
neon purple, leaning more pink, you know, than blue, and from Leading Men Fiber Arts called on their Spotlight Base called Purple Eater. I think I bought that at a Stitches um, maybe a couple years ago. Stitches West, and and then some really deep stash, Sweet Georgia, 100% merino sock yarn. Um, this was like way back in the day when um, my local yarn store, Unwind, uh, first started carrying her yarn. I actually think I suggested it to Stephanie to carry it, which I think was really fun. It was She was one of my very first indie dyers um, that I ever used. Um, and they're, you know, obviously much larger now, which is awesome. Um, this is when they had, like, um, their sock yarn came actually in two skeins, so like two 50-gram skeins. Um, so this is 100% merino in a colorway called Coal Harbor, which is a really beautiful mix of sort of, like, lavenders and sort of tealy blues. And so I'm like three quarters of the way done maybe with this shawl. And I love the colors, but when I look at it, I feel like maybe there's not enough contrast. Um, I, I think I posted this on Instagram. Um, and mosaic knitting can go either way. Like, you, you know, some people prefer low contrast and other people prefer really high contrast where you can really see the mosaic knitting, um, the pattern. And so when I look at it, I can see the pattern, you know. Um, especially when it's further away and like when I hold it up, you know, during knit nights on the screen, I can, I can see the pattern, but I took a picture of it in black and white and it is a little lower contrast than I think I originally thought it was. So I've been kind of going through uh, mentally <laughs> deciding if I want to keep going and just finish it because I'm very close to finishing or if I should just rip it out and maybe pick different colors. So the, I don't mind ripping it out. That's the part of me that hasn't ripped it out yet. I think that's what I'm leaning towards, but it's just more like the decision if I want to rip it out and then recast it on in new colors, which means I'd have to choose new colors, uh, or just rip it out and not make it for now. Um, I still like the pattern, but you know how sometimes like when you rip something out, it's like, yeah, you want, you still want it. So you want to make it again right away. But other times you're kind of just, do I, you know, like, I don't know how into it I am at this moment. So I haven't decided yet. It's still sitting in my project bag. Um, I mean, most likely I'm going to rip it out. It's just, I don't know what I want to do after that. So I just haven't made that decision yet. So I've just left it. Um, just hanging. Um, so yeah, I, I did work on that for a good amount of time though. So that's, you know, it's really enjoyable. Um, and the pattern's really clear, the charts are really easy to read, you know, all that good stuff. So if you're interested, I would definitely check out her patterns. Um, I'm also still working on my Blaze by Amba O'Brien. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I started that a long time ago when Amba was making a shop visit to one of my local yarn stores. And, um... If you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I actually ran out of one of the main colors uh, recently. Um, I used, um, so it uses, I used a solid and a really crazy variegated color. So the solid uh, is Mad Tosh Navy, uh, Mad Tosh Marina Light in uh, Navy and called Ink. And, you know, I, I thought I had enough yardage or maybe I, I mean, I didn't look. It's funny because on fingering weight skeins, sometimes in my head, I just imagine that they're all the same yardage or at least really similar. But I do know that some 
are way less. Like I know some fitness and workouts gains I have are like 440 yards and others are like 400 and others are just like 380. And I, I'm not sure what the yardage is on Mad Tosh right now. It could be my gauge too, but I totally ran out um, of that ink colorway. Um, and I didn't really notice that I was running out until, I mean, there was not very much left. Um, I mean, I knew I was getting low, but I had started the decrease section. The shawl sort of increases, um, you know, to a point and then decreases on the other side. And so I started the decreases and I just, just figured, you know, I'm using less and less and less. I mean, I should have enough because I have so much of the uh, contrasting color left. But at some point I looked and realized I just had this little ball, you know, it was only like five grams or something like crazy like that. And I still had a good chunk to go. And I mean, I could have tried to buy another skein and hoped it matched, but I didn't want to do that. And uh, I talked to my friends and we were like, well, maybe we can just find another like blue, like dark blue skein that looks similar enough that people won't notice. And I feel like that would have bothered me because I would be able to tell. And, you know, I'm sure from close up, you'd be able to tell because like, this is like Marina, Tosh Marina Light's like a single ply, you know, and I didn't want to buy a new skein of something. So um, I went through my stash and decided to just try to find just like a totally different color and make it look somewhat intentional. Um, so I found another skein of Mad Tosh Merino Light um, in a teal colorway. It's like a like a bright teal solid. Um, I don't know what the colorway is right now. I don't know where the tag is. Is it in the back? I wonder. Um, no, I don't see it. So anyway, um, yeah, so I picked up this, I mean, I picked up, I picked from my stash this teal and at least I know it's, you know, the same gauge because it's the same base. Um, and I kind of try to make it seem like a color block thing, uh, where, you know, I did a couple inches of the new teal, then like an inch of the navy and then, of, you know, a few more inches of the teal and then like a few more rows of the navy to make it almost seem like it was intentional and I didn't just run out of yarn. Um, I mean, so far I think it's looking okay. I don't hate it. So I think I'm fine with it. And I mean, the goal was not to buy new yarn. Um, so yeah, I think I've, um, at least, you know, accomplished that. Um, and it's, it's the color, the teal actually looks really nice with the contrast, um, yarn. So I'm not bothered by that. It is annoying to me though, that I ran out of yarn, but what are you going to do? So yeah, I've been working on that. I'm, I'm on the decreases. It's getting smaller and smaller. Um, it is one of those things where uh, I enjoy, I do enjoy working on it. Like when I'm on you know, Zoom calls, so many Zoom calls or Teams or Hangouts or Slack. I have so many, uh, so many platforms now. Um, but it's pretty, I know the pattern, so it's not hard for me to knit on it while I'm doing other things. So that's good. Um, hopefully I'll be done with that. By the end of the summer, um, I think that's a reasonable goal. Um, I'm also, I also started working on again, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, the manhood cowl for my mom. I started a second one. I made a red one uh, last year or earlier this year, and my mom had wanted one. It's basically a, a cowl, but has sort of an attached hood. Um, it's really simple. I bought the pattern at Avenue Yarns in Albany, California. I know it's Northern California. And 
I have a ton of Malabrigo words in my stash, and I let my mom choose. So she chose a color called Stone Blue, which is a really pretty sort of sky blue. Um, and yeah, I just found it in a bag not too long ago, a couple months ago. I'd forgotten I had started it. Um, and so, yeah, I did work on that a little bit. Uh, it's really easy. It's a seed stitch for miles and miles, and then there's some cast off, cast on kind of stuff, and then you just sew up the hood at the back. Um, yes, so I did work on that a little bit. And I also started a new pair of socks. I, mean, I don't know why I did this, and I, I think I put this on my in- personal Instagram. Uh, I started these socks in a Regia 4-ply spirit color 5730, which is browns and grays and blacks. I had this in my stash. I think I had put it in a project bag, even ready to go, like maybe you know, a year ago or maybe more, who knows? I just found it um, when I was going through project bags. And I thought, oh, I mean, I mean, I own this yarn. I should work on it so I can get it out of the stash. Um, they're not really my favorite colors, but they're, they're neutral. They're fine. I like self-patterning, you know, commercial yarn too. So I started a pair of vanilla socks in them, and they're just hilariously the most boring, unsummery, like, SoCal socks I think I've ever seen um you know it's just really funny because it's so hot here now and like sunny and normally I feel like I'd be working on really crazy colors but yeah I'm just working on these neutral socks and I'm just calling them my coffee break socks um there's nothing really exciting about them except that um yeah there's nothing that exciting about them um they're just vanilla socks I think I actually started them on uh, U.S. Zeros, but the knit, not knit picks, Knitter's Pride Zings, do you remember those? I think they still make them. They're like aluminum. They kind of like look like signature needles. Um, and I bought a pair a while ago to try them. And so I just had them and I was just working on these socks. Uh, and I just thought the fabric looked too loose, like the sock looked big. So I ended up ripping it out and casting them back on, on my regular Knitter's Pride carbons in the same size and zero and the fabric is much tighter so it definitely you know I mean I know people say this all the time but uh needle material I think definitely matters in engage a lot of times I mean sometimes I'm sure it's pretty minimal but sometimes it's not like I can tell there was like definitely a huge difference um using my carbons versus the zings and so, yeah, I feel like if I was going to make a sock on zings, I'd have to go down to a double zero, which I don't have. So um, they're still nice needles. It's just, yeah, I would just be aware of that if, you know, you happen to have them. Um, and so I guess enough time has passed now where I can actually also tell you guys about some secret knitting. Uh, if you don't know, I am friends with um, the host of the Skein Enable podcast. Her name is Jill. Hi, Jill. I know you listen. Uh, well, maybe you won't by the time this comes out because Jill is very, very pregnant and she's about to have her baby probably in the next week or so, um, which is really exciting. Uh, so we have a small you know, knitting group uh, of friends here in LA and we'd like to get together. We've been doing weekly Zoom knit nights now, which is great. The One of the good things about pandemic is even people I talked to pretty, you know, regularly and saw pretty often, I feel like we communicate even more now. So we used to have an in-person knit night maybe once a month. Um, but now we do a Zoom virtual knit night, like pretty much every week. So that's been great. 
Um, but you know, as makers, you know, when you have a pregnant friend, I feel like there's a lot of pressure and not in a bad way, but like, you know, I feel like there's an expectation and there's a pressure to like make something cool for this baby. And Jill's like an amazing knitter and an amazing, like just maker in general. And so I knew that anything, like she was going to make a bunch of like really cool stuff for her baby. Uh, so I feel like I agonized for a long time on what to make. And I, you know, bought different patterns and like printed things out and picked yarn. And then I changed my mind and knowing myself, I, at one point I was just like, you know, you just got to cast something on because if you just keep trying to decide, like this baby's going to be born and like nothing is going to be ready. So I cast on a pair of baby socks. I use uh, a basic pattern by Kate Atherley. I'll link it, but I don't, I don't know if they have like a specific name besides like baby socks. And uh, I picked some yarn that I had in my stash that I actually ripped. Did I tell you guys? I don't even know. I ended up ripping my what, what the fade? Um, find your fade? Find your fade. Um, I think it was find your fade. It was the first fade that Andrea Maori did uh, for shawl at least. And I had had it on the needles for a couple of years and it's not like I didn't like it. It's just that I just, I think it got to that point where like I didn't care if I, like I didn't care about the finished object. And generally I'm a process knitter. I'm, I care more about the, the process and doing it than the finished object most of the time. But in this case, this thing is huge and there's like five skeins of yarn in it. And I wasn't close enough to finishing to just finish it in like a day or anything. It would still take a lot of time. And so I just decided to rip it. I was like, screw it. Let's just rip it. And so one of the skeins that I ripped was a skein from Stitch Stitch Together Studio. I think it's called My Little Pony. It's a really pretty aqua with like speckles of like pink and purple and a bunch of other things. And it just seemed like a Jill color, you know, I think she likes speckles. I just thought, and the blue is kind of like a me color. Uh, I just thought it'd be really cute for uh, a baby item. And so I had already ripped the shawl, so I just reskeined the yarn um, into a cake and started these baby socks. Um, I think they made the six month size. You can never really tell with babies. I mean, this is an actual sock pattern tooth not tube socks so there's like a heel and you know a gusset and all that so hopefully it'll fit um yeah they're I mean they're cute there's nothing really to note about it I think she had I forget what kind of heel she had she might have had a regular heel just like a knit heel but I think I used a slip stitch heel which is what I generally do on my socks just I don't know it just feels sturdier um so that's what I used on the baby socks too um, and I finished those pretty quickly. And then uh, I trolled Jill's favorite, like her baby favorites, which I mean, I'm sure she knew we were doing, um, and tried to find something to make from that list that I thought that she wasn't making, at least making soon. And I ended up picking a, a baby hat called The Elf Baby by Robin Weldon. And the pattern's cute. Um, there's three variations. Basically, it's like a hat that, you know, you knit kind of tall and then at the very top, you it gets really skinny and then you knit like five or six inches and then you can like tie it into a knot. Um, or maybe, you know, I think some people actually just also make it taper it, you know, till it's really long. So it's like a long sort of like an elf hat. And it has three variations, I think, um, of different 
borders for the brim. And I forget what mine was uh, called. I think it's like a, it's a twisted stitch border, but there's a patterning to it. So it kind of looks, um, it's not chevron, but it kind of has, you know, it goes up and down. I forget what it's called, but it required, I mean, I guess I didn't have to do this, but you know, the pattern said, if you want it to be reversible, you know, where they can wear it with like the pearl side out or whatever, you know, or the brim to be reversible, you should, um, you know, you knit your knit stitches to the back loop for the twisted stitches, but to make it fully reversible, you have to like knit your pearl stitches through the back loop too, which if you've ever done that, it's, it's pretty annoying. Um, it's very fiddly, um, especially in like size, like zero needles or ones or whatever I was using. Um, but I just figured, I guess it should be reversible. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was tying it into a knot. So unless Jill unties it and like redoes it, like, I don't know why she would wear it reversible, but I guess if she flipped the brim up, if it was too long, then it would be, you know, there'd be twisted stitches on the back too. So anyway, that's what I did. I mean, the brim isn't huge. It's probably only like, you know, 10 or 15 rows and it didn't kill me. That's so, that's what I did. Um, and it's really cute. Um, I did use two different colors though. For the brim, I used a Malabrigo, uh, like a tealy green. I think it's the colorway called Solise. I'm not a hundred percent sure. It was just in my stash. Um, actually I think it was also ripped from that finder fade, um, because it, I think that was the color I faded maybe into the stitch together colorway. And so I knew they had, you know, similar colors in them. And that's why I chose them to go together in this hat. I used, yeah, the Malabrigo for the brim. And then I used the stitch together studio yarn for the rest of the hat so that it would match the socks. And that's what I ended up giving her. And we um, had a very cute, socially distant, with masks on, uh, baby shower for Jill a couple of weeks ago at our friend Nicole's house um, in her backyard. Um, it, she's more from H-Fiber, if you don't know. And it was just really cute. Like, I mean, Nicole always goes above and beyond, so it was really funny. I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I came early, and, you know, she's at the whole, whole backyard where everyone had their own, like, individual table like six feet apart it was a tea party so we had three each person had a three-tiered you know cake stand so we can put all of our you know food separately on it and she had made Jill a little like chair throne almost it was like a you know like a comfy chair but then it also had you know twinkle lights around it mosquito netting for bugs it was really cute um and it was just really nice to see um everyone in in person uh, we hadn't, you know, we haven't seen each other really since the pandemic began. And, <clears throat> you know, I think it's been, I mean, as you can imagine, a little hard for Jill being pregnant this entire time and not really being able to, you know, s celebrate this baby as you maybe traditionally would. Uh, her family did throw a really cute zoom baby shower be uh, a few weeks before ours and that was actually that was a uh, really fun too i hadn't been to sort of a event like that uh, via zoom since this whole thing started but it was really well organized and uh, her mom sent everyone like a, a cookie you know from a cookie company you know for the baby shower and you know there was a quiz and uh, speeches and a slideshow. It was really cool. I mean, if I ever have to throw one, I mean, hopefully I won't have to throw one. 
the pandemic will be over, I pray. Um, but if I ever do have to throw one like that, I, I'm going to have some good ideas, you know? Um, so it was really fun and it was really nice to see everyone in person. Our friend Jessie also brought, um, her indigo dyeing supplies. <laughs> she figured we should have a craft, which I didn't even think of. And so she had a, you know, a big pot where she put in indigo. Um, she just had the powder and she had brought onesies that she had like pre, you know, washed, I guess, in the way that you need to do for indigo and all these things so that we could, yeah, like dye things in indigo. Like, you know, I, I don't know if it's shibori, maybe it's something like that where you, we tied things and, you know, uh, use rubber bands and clips and stuff. And then like dip dyed these little onesies. And it was really cool. It was really fun. It was super hot that day, but it was a really fun activity to do. I had a lot of fun with it and made me miss, I don't know, you know, being out with my friends and doing a craft like this. We had had a dye day a couple of years ago with a bunch of us and it was so fun. And we just hadn't had time to do it since. And this reminded me of that and yeah, made me think, we got to do this again, um, you know, when it's safe, but yeah, it was really fun. It was really nice. And, um, all my friends made amazing gifts, uh, for Jill. Uh, unfortunately our friend Annie couldn't come. Uh, it was really sad, but we called her via FaceTime so that she could see some of what we were doing. And I think we also, um, had her on when <laughs> Jill was opening gifts so that was really fun and she had made Jill a really beautiful quilt for the baby so good job Annie uh you completed a very large project I commend you and um yeah those were the things oh I guess that was faux show huh uh I was like wait a second yeah faux show those were my two faux shows um that my recent faux shows like ages ago, I finished the monster Halloween socks. Um, oh, not monsters, Halloween socks. I finished my monster knit along socks that I started in 2018. I posted about those on Instagram. Uh, my friend Jessie hosts a monster socks knit along every year with her friend. And it's basically the scrappy socks. And I finally finished those. I don't know what took me so long. Uh, it took me two years, pretty much. I finished those, and I also finished some Halloween socks that I started, I think, just last year. Uh, again, these are super old projects, so it's okay if you guys don't remember them. Um, that was in the Hulk colorway, if you recall, uh, in from Very Colorful Yarning. So, you know, this is what happens when you wait six months to podcast. You have four finished objects, which, I mean, to me sounds amazing, though I think a lot of other people have probably knit more, but that's fine. I, it's not a competition. All right, on to retail therapy. Surprisingly, I haven't bought a ton of yarn during the pandemic. Um, I've been buying other things. I'll talk about that later. But yeah, I haven't bought uh, too much yarn. I mean, I want to support my local yarn stores as much as possible. And um, But it's just truthfully, I just have so much yarn. And I have just been really good about trying to use the yarn I have, um, you know, and I think that's great, but I do, yeah, sometimes I do feel a little guilt for not <laughs> purchasing more, but it's okay. I have friends who have been 
purchasing plenty during the pandemic. So maybe they're making up for what I haven't been buying. Um, but I did buy a couple of things, uh, you know, during this time. Um, the first thing I bought was maybe back in July or June, maybe the end of June. Um, it was for local yarn store day. And I mean, obviously because of what's going on, we like local yarn stores weren't really open at that time. Um, but uh, designer Casapinka did some really cool stuff. She often does a local yarn store, like a free local yarn store day pattern that you can buy, uh, buy, but you can get if you go into a local yarn store and buy yarn. Um, but since people couldn't go into shops, she partnered with a bunch of stores online where if you bought two skeins of fingering weight yarn, you could, they would send you a download code for the pattern. And a lot of shops were doing kits you know like they would put in like two color combos for the shawl it, it was called it's called the breathe and hope shawl and you know as with anything you could choose to make that shawl with it or not um but I just like the idea of like you know pre-made color combos and then also like a pattern to go with it uh so I did some digging not digging but I did some like looking around the internet because a lot of shops were participating uh and I just really wanted to I, I mean I the first thing I checked were the shops in my town, but unfortunately none of them were just offering uh, color combos that I was in love with. Uh, luckily, I found another local yarn store, not local to me, but another local star yarn store. I think it's called, I'll have to double check, but I think it's in Oregon and it's called the Naughty Lamb. And they were making a bunch of really cute kits and they think they offered free shipping at that time too. I purchased my kit from them and it had two really pretty colors in them. One's a gray, like a light, a very light gray with uh, pops of like pink and orange, like neon-y a little bit. And it's from Long Dog Yarn in their bounce sock base. And the colorway is called Pop. And then it came with a more solid, more like a tonal, like peachy pink, like peach leaning pink I guess from teal torch knits uh her sock yarn and it's called love at first blush uh I just felt like this combo was really pretty together it's not super high contrast but I think that's okay depending on what you make and yeah it's really pretty it came really fast I don't know I mean Oregon's not too far from us but I think it came within a couple days of ordering it and so I was really impressed with that too um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to make the Breathe and Hope shawl with that or if I'm going to do something else with it. But I, I mean, I really like those. Uh, I'm glad I bought them. Sorry, drinking more water. And then a couple, maybe, um, maybe a month and a half ago, I finally got home to see my mom. I hadn't seen her since March, uh, but, you know, she'd been, you know, I, I see my mom pretty often, so it was just hard not to see her. Um, and finally, fourth of around Fourth of July, I you know I decided to go up there and see her, and we um, it was really nice. You know, I stayed for a couple of weeks. You know, I was just working from home, and you know, ate all the good food. And while I was there, uh, I did make a trip to Pacifica to the Royal Bee Yarn Company. If you don't know, uh, the Royal Bee is uh, a line of like a yarn brand of naturally dyed yarns. Um, but the owner, Kelly, also has a shop uh, up in Northern California. And I didn't realize this. I mean, I, 
I've known this for a while now, but I think when I first met Kelly, she was at maybe a Stitches SoCal and she just had a booth and I just thought she sold, you know, her own yarn, you know, as an independent business. And I had no idea that she had an actual yarn store and they were open for, you know, a few hours a day, socially distant. Um, and so I went up there, um, with a friend, um, and yeah, it was really fun. Uh, it was, it's a really cute shop. I don't spend a lot of time in Pacifica, but it's a really beautiful area. It's right by the ocean, which I always love. And yeah, like everything was very open and they had the doors open and we got there actually a couple people were leaving. So the entire time we were there, we, I think we were the only people there. And so that was really fun and really great. And I ended up buying, uh, some Royal Bee yarn. She carries other yarn, but I decided to buy Royal Bee yarn and she had just released a collection, a colorway collection. I think the Pacifica collection, it's, you know, named after the town and it was a bunch of really, really beautiful colors. And I didn't write down what bases I got now. And they're like way in the other room. Uh, so I'm just going to guess. <laughs> um, I bought, I think four or five skeins of the DK of her DK weight base, uh, her DK base has a really good yardage. I think it's, I think about four skeins and it's in this really beautiful sort of golden yellow or, uh, ochre sort of color. And again, I don't know the name right now. It's in my room and it's just gorgeous. Um, I was thinking of making the water bearer cardigan with it. That's a pattern by Jacqueline. Oh, I can't remember her name or how to say her last name. It starts like Sealsiac? No, I'm saying it wrong. It's Jacqueline something. It's the water bearer cardigan. You'll see it. Um, it's beautiful. It's open front cardigan with like, a, you know, same color brioche up the front. There's a short version and a long version. And I don't usually want to wear crop cardigans. So I haven't decided. I think I bought enough yarn to make the long version because that's more likely for me. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to have to look at the measurements and things like that before I make a final decision. And then I also bought, I think a worsted skein of a sort of peachy, I don't even know how to say, like a corally peach that she had. Um, she had a, a sweater knit up in a sample um, in the shop in it and it was so gorgeous. And I mean, I couldn't afford to buy another one in quantity. So I just bought one skein and I was thinking maybe like I'll make a hat or something. Um, her yarns are really beautiful. I think they're Worsted, maybe the woolen spun. I can't remember now. Um, whichever way they spin them, they're just super soft and airy and fluffy. And she has really great yardage, especially on her fingering weight skeins. I bought some, I think at Stitches West this year, <laughs> my big event before the pandemic. And it's just really nice yarn. And Jill actually made her herbarium shawl from two skeins of Kelly's yarn too. And they're really nice. Um, yeah, the yardage is great, especially for the fingering weight skeins if you like fingering weight yarn. I would definitely check her out. It's the, yeah, the Royal Bee Yarn Company. And those are, that's kind of, I think, the only yarn I've really bought. I'm trying to think if I bought any more. I don't think I've really bought any books. There's a few, I feel like knitting books that I'm interested in, but I haven't bought any. I did buy the 52 Weeks of Socks literally, like, as the world was shutting down and but that's kind of it uh i have a library hold pickup 
Um, I probably have to schedule for next week for the Harry Potter Knits new knitting book. I think that's um, edited by Tannis Gray. She's been doing a lot of those. Like, I mean, she's done it for a while where she'll put a, together a collection based on themes. And I think a Star Wars one is coming out too, which I'm really interested in. The Harry Potter one looks beautiful. And I think it's actually, you know, like the official quote unquote Harry Potter. I think it was actually, you know, they've licensed, you know, they've gotten permission from Warner Brothers to do that. Um, and originally it was going to be sort of an auto buy for me, but then I've looked through the patterns a little bit more online and I just don't know. Um, it's really cute, but it's one of those things too, where like a lot of the stuff is just sort of inspired by the movie, which is fine, but I do like things where it's actually patterns from the movie that people wear in the movie. Um, but you know, they have the Weasley sweater, which has been available before. And I think I have a book with it in it and there's some things I would just never make, like Hedwig the Owl, and there's like, I think a scarf inspired by Umbridge, but it's, is it like a fox that's pink or something, like a stole? I don't know. I can't remember now. I mean, so I did do some research online and looked at some of the patterns, and while I love the idea of it, and some of the patterns look really cute, I just don't know if I would actually get use out of it. So I saw that it was available at my library, local library branch, um, for hold. So I put it on hold and it just came in, uh, I got a notice last week. So I just need to set up a time to go get it, which will probably be next week. So I'm going to take a look at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was one I was thinking of buying, but ultimately didn't end up buying. We'll see. I mean, maybe I'll look at it and decide that it's awesome and need to buy it. Uh, that's the great thing about the library is that you can check out stuff especially things like knitting books or cookbooks, which I do a lot um, at the library. I'd like to flip through it, maybe even make some stuff out of it and see if you like it before you purchase it. Um, I've encouraged everyone I know since in the pandemic, I mean, even before, but to get a library card. Um, now my library is open for, like, you can do it all online. You do it online, the holds come in, they quarantine them beforehand, they clean them, and then you set up a time to go pick them up. And... Before that, uh, the library, at least near me, a lot of them have really great um, electronic libraries. So if you have any kind of a device, you know, an iPad, a, whatever, a tablet, a f your phone, even the PC, like, or a Mac, like, you can check out books digitally and, like, read them on a computer. You know, what's well, not ideal sometimes. Um, it's just, it's a great way to get new reading material, um, you know, without having to go to the library because a lot of them are closed. A lot of them now, too, um, this is like an ad for the library, but <laughs> usually to get a library card, you have to go in in person and show like proof of address and then, you know, all this stuff, like just, you know, ID and, and things like that. But because of the pandemic, a lot of libraries have either suspended that and just are just issuing cards, like if you apply online or some of them are doing more limited cards where you can apply online, get a library card right away and have access to the digital library. And then when your library is open again, you can go in if you'd like and get, you know, a, a card to be able to check things out physically as well. So if you, you know, are looking for things to read, I would highly recommend 
checking out your local library branch and seeing if they have an electronic library and if you can just get a card online. It's been great. You know, I do audiobooks on it. I do, you know, digital books. You can even do movies. Um, I haven't tried that format yet, you know, the interface with that. But you can, there are films that you can also check out via the library. Uh, and I think even though it's digital, it still helps their circulation numbers. And circulation numbers definitely help your library with getting funding and things like that. And it's really important right now because, I mean, a lot of libraries, I mean, I know librarians and, I mean, a lot of them have been like furloughed or lost their jobs because they just simply can't keep them on um, if they're not open, you know, and if they're not getting any funding. So I would highly suggest you support your local library if you can. Um, if you feel safe to do it, you can, you know, do what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing both, but, you know, and check out physical books as well, you know, put them on hold online and then, you know, set up a time to pick them up. Um, it's all very, um, at least to me, it feels very safe and clean. Um, and, you know, and I go home and also disinfect the books anyway. But yeah, like, if you need books that way, that's great. Um, you know, we got to keep our libraries open. They're just really important for people. They're a place where people can get information, you know, without, you know, it's kind of an equalizer, you know, you don't need money to be able to check things out from the library. And it's, you know, a place where people can use the internet for free and make photocopies. And, you know, mine has training for like, you know, um, like how to vote, like, you know, I think they or so, they are sometimes actually like a voting place, but I also think they do sort of like sessions on, you know, how to vote so that you know what, you know, in different languages and what to do going in. And we can drop off our ballots there. Like you can get, I think sometimes you can get, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can get at the library and it's all free. So anything we can do to keep them open, like let's do it. Anyway, that's my spiel for the library. Support your local library. Um, oh, as we go into, let's go into reading. I think that's all the knitting I have for now. Let's go into reading. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of stuff. Uh, I did go through a period where I wasn't reading very much or just rereading things that I already, uh, you know, had read because I just wasn't feeling up to it. And yeah, that's a little better now. Um, I'm still go through lulls now and then, but that's pretty normal even before the crazy times. But here are a few things that I've read recently that, um, yeah, are worth, I feel like mentioning. Um, not too long ago, I read Get a Life, Chloe Brown, but by Talia Hibbert. Um, it's a really cute story uh, about a woman who, it's sort of love-hate. It's like hate at first, her land, not landlord, her building manager. Um, they don't get along. Uh, but it's more like miscommunication. Like he thinks she's like a snobby rich girl and she just thinks he's mean to her, <laughs> but he's actually really nice. Um, and they become friends and are attracted to each other and, you know, fun things happen and it's just really cute. Uh, it's really, really cute. And it's great too, because the main character is a person of color, which is, you know, nice to see. And she also has, oh gosh, what does she have? Um, she also has an autoimmune, um, like a chronic fatigue, um, type, uh, disease. Uh, I can't remember which one it is though. Um, but yeah, like, so she, you know, has problems with mobility sometimes and like, 
you know, just energy and things like that, which I feel like a lot of people will find relatable. Um, a lot of people have, uh, you know, issues like this and it's just great to see that represented, but not in like a sort of preachy way at all. It's just the way she is and like just the way she handles it. And also the way he sort of handles it. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not weird. It's not like, you know, he's just so sweet to her. Like he's so like when, once they're like, you know, into each other, he's just super like cute and attentive. And like, I mean, I think that's how she knows that he's, you know, sort of like a good one is because like he doesn't like see these things as weaknesses or, you know, annoyances. It's just a part of life and it's just something you just roll with and it's fine. And yeah, it's just really sweet. Um, I hear the uh, second book, uh, which is the main character is uh, Danny Brown, Chloe's sister, is really good. I think I'm on hold. I think maybe a digital hold on that one for the library as well. And it hasn't come in yet, but I have a friend who's read both and she said, you know, Chloe Brown is really cute, but that Danny Brown, the second book is amazing. So I'm looking forward to that when it comes in. Um, I also just read recently uh, a book that just released this week called Emerald Blaze by Ilona Andrews. I think it's the hmm, maybe fourth or fifth book in the Hidden Legacy series, but it's the second book. The first, I think, two or three were in the point of view of Catalina Baylor, um, who's the head of this magical family. Um, and she ends up marrying someone. It's a whole thing. Anyway, they, she ends up going to a different house and is part of that house. And her little sister, um, oh, sorry, the main character of the first two or three is Nevada Baylor. And then it switches to Catalina, her little sister, who then becomes the head of their magical house. And this is her second book. And I mean, I can't really explain the entire thing right now, but it's a good book. And the series is really fun. If you like Alona Andrews, it's urban fantasy. There's like these magical warring houses, you know, everyone's kind of out to get each other. But the Baylor house is a little different. Like they were never a big magical uh, magic house until kind of recently, um, you know, when the book's start and Nevada becomes like a prime they call her and you know everyone's kind of out to get them because they're a new house um, and they have a private detective agency so they're always helping sort of people uh, who are just sort of down and out or you know have fallen from grace somehow and they're just usually too helpful for their own good and they get themselves into trouble but that's kind of what you love about them they you know, are good people. Anyway, so Emerald Blaze is great. It just came out uh, this week. I would highly recommend um, any Alona Andrews for sure, but this series is, is very fun. Uh, I would start at the beginning though. That's just me though. I like starting at the beginning of things. Sorry, more water, more water. Um, I also read Circe by Madeline Miller for my book club last month. And She's a very popular writer. I'd seen her books before, but never had, had never picked any up. And she wrote the Song of Achilles as well, which I think was very popular. Uh, but Circe is based in the Greek mythology of the goddess Circe, um, who's the daughter of the sun god and a, I think a water nymph or a water something, you know what I mean? And... It's just really interesting. If you know a little bit about Greek mythology, it's cool. You don't really need to know much, but 
it's a story told in the point of view from like from Cersei's point of view as if she's like not a regular person but like you know it's from her point of view it's her life growing up and you know her, the gods and how they're all so petty and mean and then her being banished to an island because she's you know not seen as special enough and if you've read um the Iliad or know anything about um Oh my God, why can I? Odysseus, is that his name? I don't know why it's not coming to me. Um, if you've read any of that, like she plays into his mythology a lot. And he's definitely in this book. So like he's a big part of this book too. So, I mean, that's what, where you might know her from. But uh, yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot more than I thought. Um, you know, the gods are terrible to each other and to everyone else. But it wasn't super depressing or anything like that. Sometimes when I read those stories, it just makes me sad. Like, why are you killing, you know, people's children and things like that? But it wasn't. It was, it was, I don't know, it was just really well done. And to see these gods and these sort of other mythical, like, characters as real characters, like real people almost, you know, was really interesting. I really liked it. I would definitely recommend it if you're into this kind of stuff. If you're into Greek mythology at all, or if you're just open to reading something like this, it's really good. And I, let's see, I started a new series, a new, I guess I would say it's sci-fi series by Amanda Bouchette uh, called Starbreaker. There's Starbreaker and Night Chaser. There's two books and it's sci-fi. So it's set in space and the main character's name is Tessa, Tessa Bailey, and she's a rebel. It's a little bit like Star Wars in that way, where there's, like, rebels, and there's, like, an imperial sort of despot. Like, he just, you know, controls the, quote-unquote, peace. He brought peace to the galaxies, basically, by, like, you know, blowing up a few planets and killing, you know, a few million people. Um, and she and her little merry band of... <laughs> rebels have this ship and they steal from you know the government or pretty much the government other bad people like food and medicine and stuff like that and you know give it to planets and people who need it um, who are like dying or suffering but aren't getting the help that they need and yeah there's like a big secret in her life that comes out and you know the imperial, you know, dictator wants her dead, etc. And there's like a hot mechanic guy. Like it's it's good. It's really fun. I've I've had the book for a while, but I only picked it up recently. And then I finished the second book maybe like a week ago. And that's good too. I didn't love the ending only because I don't know, I felt really unresolved and sort of rushed. And I know she plans, she's writing another book, which doesn't bother me. It just felt like this one didn't come to, I mean, I don't know if I just didn't like the stopping point or the where, how it got to the stopping point. It was just like all this stuff happened and then it kind of resolved really quickly, but then left sort of on a cliffhanger, at least to me, it seems like a cliffhanger. So that was a little odd to me, but overall, I really like the series if you're into sort of sci-fi um, adventure stories, I would recommend it. Uh, I also read a really cute book called Love Her, Lose Her by Tessa Bailey, and which is weird because I think that's the main 
character in Starbreaker, or, or maybe her name is Tess Bailey, not Tessa, but it's very close. And um, this is a contemporary, I would say, I guess, romance um, about two characters who actually are married, but uh, are sort of splitting up. But maybe, you know, or, but are splitting up, like sort of reevaluating their relationship. And I'm, as a person who reads a lot of romance, I think this one's really interesting. Um, you have sometimes in like historical romances, you have like a thing where they were together and they like, you know, someone leaves and like comes back or whatnot, or they break up kind of like, you know, persuasion or something for some reason and they kind of come back to each other. This one was really interesting to me because they're married and basically their marriage has kind of gone to a point where, um, you know, the main character, the woman, you know, decides she can't deal with it anymore. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. It's like, you know, he was a soldier and came back and, you know, she's not completely innocent in this either. And I just thought it was really interesting how, like, you know, she decides, she tells him like she wants a divorce and he's just totally like, what? Like he had no idea, like, you know, really what was going on. So they decide to go to this crazy, you know, she, she gives him sort of an ultimatum. She like moves out and she gives him sort of an ultimatum thinking that he won't take it being like, we, we have to go to like marriage counseling. Um, and she chooses like the most sort of hippie ish, like just person that she's like, he, my husband's not going to like this guy. He's going to say no. You know what I mean? I think she, someone told her about him or she saw him on TV or something. I don't even know. Um, but you know, he loves his wife. So he decides to do it. He's like, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, this is an unconventional therapist. But I mean, he gets them to really start talking and to really start thinking about the relationship and like what each has put into it and how like just to really think about how things got to where they are. And it's it's just really interesting that, you know, to see both of them examine, you know, their relationship and what they've contributed to sort of its disintegration to this point. Um, but it's just really sweet too. And, you know, they know each other so well. It's, you know, it's also very sexy. If you don't like smutty scenes, then this probably isn't for you, but there's some good smutty scenes. Uh, and yeah, I just really love the development of these characters and just learning about their relationship and, you know, it was just, yeah, like it was just very, to me, the, the premise was sort of unique in that way because most romances don't, even when you have them where people like were once together and split up, like it's not this way where they're like, just like really working on the relationship. It seemed really realistic, but also like super romantic and, and cute and like difficult at times. Anyway, I really liked that. If you're into romances at all, I would, I would recommend it. And then the last book I just recently read uh, was Daisy Jones and the Six. And, I mean, if you are a reader or follow sort of some of the more popular book clubs, like Reese's Book Club and like stuff like that, um, you might have heard of this book. It's by, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting her name? Oh, it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid. She wrote The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I also read um, not too long ago. Um... And Daisy Jones and the Six has gotten a huge hype. Like, I see, I've seen it everywhere. And I think that they are making an Amazon Prime series out of it. I think Reese Witherspoon is producing it. Riley Keough, I, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, the granddaughter 
of Elvis Presley is going to play Daisy Jones. And it is the story of the rise and fall of a rock band in the 70s. And I just had my book club a couple days ago on this, so I have thoughts on it, but I mean, I won't get too crazy. But um, yeah, Daisy Jones is the daughter of like some super rich socialites. And then the six is a you know, promising rock band. And they end up sort of like meeting and then becoming a band together. And I mean, I think the most unique thing about this, which I think is part of why it's getting so much hype, is that it's told sort of in interview style, like Rolling Stone interview style. And you either kind of love it or hate it because half my book club just hated the format and were like, I couldn't get into it because I hated reading it like this. Um, I actually didn't mind it all. To me, it made it, I mean, it wasn't my favorite, but it, it made it really easy to read. Uh, just because you would just read and then like, there'd be like a break, uh, like a chapter break and you'd be like, Oh, I've gone like three chapters already or whatever. So you, it's easy to just like keep going if you know what I mean. So I read it pretty quickly and I didn't, I mean, I didn't mind it. Uh, I mean, yeah, like three of my friends, two or three of my friends were like, we hated it. <laughs> and so that was really funny. Um, Evelyn Hugo was sort of an inter style, interview style book too, but it was different. It was someone who was writing like a, a book about her life. So it was told in like, just like longer form articles and like transcripts and things like that. This was like pretty much literally all just sort of interviews. It'd be like Daisy, this, you know, and, like, and she'd say something and then it'd be like Billy and he'd say something. I mean, and the book wasn't bad. I can see why people like it and I can definitely see uh, where it would become maybe a movie or TV show. It, it seems like it would be perfect for that. Very almost famous you know, at least in my mind. And I mean, I can see why people like it, but at the same time, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it either. I, I think I gave it three. I think I'm gonna give it three stars on Goodreads. Um, and my, a lot of my book club sort of, we all sort of agreed on this. I mean, to, to me, it kind of seemed like it was very sort of cliched to me. It was like, you know, this ingenue from famous parents. She's beautiful and no one cares about like her, her as a person because she's beautiful and she's also super talented. She doesn't have to try to sing at all, but she sounds amazing. And then there's this, you know, kind of leader of this rock band who's kind of a dick, um, but he's brilliant too. And, you know, they have fiery love-hate chemistry and <laughs> things like that. And it also seemed to glorify um, sort of like this, like drugs and sex and rock and roll lifestyle, which I don't know, it just seemed very just unimaginative personally. Um, I was, I mean, I work in the music industry too. So I was, and I have a couple of my friends who are in the book club also work in the music industry, like, like Kimberly. And I was really curious to see what they would think of the book. And I mean, they kind, of thought, they kind of thought the same thing, though. It just seemed like every other like rock star from the 70s. And I don't know, like it just made it seem like, oh, it was, it, it was OK for these people to just be a-holes because like they're talented and they did all these drugs. And, you know, I don't know. It just seemed... Like, I didn't have empathy for them in that way, you know? Part of me was just like, you're just just doing a bunch of drugs and hurting a bunch of people. 
because you're rich and talented. Like, it just seemed like, I don't know. I, it's, hard, it's hard to relate, but it's entertaining. Definitely entertaining. And, I mean, there's a lot about the songs there. They, they write a lot of lyrics, like, in, because they're songwriting during the book. Um, and that's interesting, like, sort of seeing the process of songwriting. I think she did a lot of research on that, because I don't think she's, like, a songwriter just normally. Um, yeah, just research on songwriting and how you break down songs and music. Personally, I was more interested in some of the other band members. Like, there's a keyboardist named Karen, and the rock star, like, his brother's in the band. His name's uh, Graham. Uh, they're really interesting. They kind of have a thing in the book, which I thought their relationship was really interesting. And uh, there's a wife named Camilla, who I thought was kind of interesting. So some of those people and other things around it, uh, I was more, like, in tune with than these two main characters. Like, I get it. I, I feel like I've seen these characters, though, a million times. I imagine that the TV show will be more interesting or unique, I hope. Um, you know, it wasn't bad. And it's doing really well. People love this book. And I, I kind of get it. But for me, it was just like, yeah, it was okay. It was an easy read. It was entertaining. But at the same time, I don't feel like it offered any kind of new insights into any, anything, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's just my opinion, though. Um, if you guys have read it, let me know what you think. Uh, Evelyn Hugo is pretty good, though. That's also worth a read. All right, we're getting to an hour here, guys. We're almost done. Um, what have I been watching? Uh, there's, I haven't been watching as much as a lot of other people. Um, you think that I'd take this time to, you know, just watch all the shows and all the movies, but I really haven't, and I really miss new movies in the theater. I miss them so bad. I love going to the movies. I really want to see Tenant by Christopher Nolan. And I don't know if there's going to be a way to see it safely here in LA. I just really don't. And he's a film guy. I, I mean, I love the fact that he's pushing to get his, you know, film into theaters and just, you know, because theaters are like, some of them are dying right now because they can't, they're not open. And it's just crazy. And, I'm, and as a person who works sort of as part of like the film and music industry, like we've definitely seen, you know, the effects of COVID and it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, you know, like for people's livelihoods and like economies, I know, we, you know, this is a whole other thing, but yeah, I miss movies a lot. Um, but before the pandemic, <laughs> one of the last movies I saw before the pandemic, which I don't think I talked to you guys about, was the new Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss. Uh, if I, it's a Bloomhouse movie, and I really thought that, like, watching the trailer, I thought, I mean, this looks entertaining, but I don't think there's really going to be any surprises, but there were. I They did have some twists and turns that I didn't anticipate, and Elizabeth Moss is really good in it, and just the way they did it is really creepy. It was really creepy. Even though you kind of know what's going on, you know, you, you know like, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I would, I recommend it if you guys are into that kind of stuff, like, you know, sort of thriller horror. I wouldn't say it was like gory horror at all, but like a thriller. Um, if you, yeah, if you're into that, I would definitely recommend it. Ooh, I, <laughs> I finally saw on video Bloodshot starring Vin Diesel. It's terrible. Uh, as you would imagine, I don't, I read the Bloodshot comics back in the day when I was a lot younger, and I don't remember them very well, but I just feel like the 
plot to this one made absolutely no sense. And I mean, Guy Pierce is wasted. I mean, I love him, but he was just not. It was just a typical evil, you know, dude in this evil science dude. Um, yeah, it was not good. I don't recommend unless you're real bored. Um, I also saw the Charlie's Angels, the one that they released this year with Kristen Stewart. Also terrible. Uh, I mean, I mean, if you had to choose, I would definitely probably watch Charlie's Angels over Bloodshot. I guess that's all I can say about that. It just wasn't interesting. And I mean, God bless Kristen Stewart. I know she tries really hard. I really feel like she does, but I don't know. I mean, it wasn't just her. I just feel like the whole thing felt kind of flat, but that's just me. Uh, I also watched McMillions early on in the pandemic. That's the documentary that was on HBO about the McDonald's monopoly sort of scandal back in the 90s, I think. That was really interesting to me. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely, I would recommend that one. Um, there's some real characters in that. Like, F, that's FBI guy is just, he's so kooky. But he's like an FBI guy, which is really random. Uh, there's just, yeah, like, it was just a really interesting documentary um, about something that probably a lot of people partake in. You know, you a lot of us probably go to McDonald's or did back in the day and you've probably played that McDonald's monopoly. Um, but yeah, they found out that people were cheating somehow. And it's just like this whole process about finding out how they were cheating because, you know, it's pretty, I mean, it's secure. It's not like, you know, it was, you know, all this, all the pieces, which also I didn't know, like how they do things like this and make it secure, but there's all these like security companies and ways you print it so that no one can see it and stuff like that. It's just really interesting. If that's still around, I would recommend watching it. Um, I also watched Never Surrender on Amazon Prime. If you're a fan of Galaxy Quest, you got to see this documentary. It's a documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest and sort of how now it's a, a cult classic. But it seemed like it's such a random movie if you think about it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great film and it's, about a group of actors who played basically like Star Trek characters on TV, like a huge TV series. And then later on in life where um, like they're doing conventions and stuff and some of them are more successful than others. Like Tim Allen plays the captain and he, you know, loves his fame and loves, you know, the sort of fandom around it. But there's just, I don't even know how to explain Galaxy Quest, but if you're a fan of Galaxy Quest, the documentary Never Surrender is really fun and it talks about you know casting and like stuff like that it's really really interesting I would recommend it uh, I also oh I finally watched Stranger Things season two maybe a few months ago I know I'm behind on everything always but I think maybe in April or May I decided to start continuing on with season two of Stranger Things which I think I had watched four episodes of and it was really good. I'm not like I didn't think it was going to be good. It's just I had just stopped watching it. And I really, really liked season two. Um, I mean, there's a whole nother season to go, but I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, however, season two, excellent. And then one of the last things I just watched uh, was the Psych 2 movie, The Lassie Come Home. If you know me, you know that I'm a huge fan of the TV, so 
TV show, Psych. It was on, uh, not Ames. It was on USA for, I think, like, eight seasons or something like that about a psychic detective who wasn't really psychic. Um, basically, his dad was a cop, played by Corbin Burnson, who's great, and he taught, was taught from a young age to be just basically really observant, like deduction. It's all deduction. But he sort of, like, ends up becoming this psychic. You know, he pretends he's psychic, and his best friend is Dulé Hill, and it's just the funniest series. They do a lot of uh, pop culture references. There's a whole, like, Clue episode and a, like, Twin Peaks episode. Uh, Dulé Hill and uh, James Roday, who plays the main character, one of the main characters, they're just great together. They're just so weird and, like, best friends and... I just love them together. Um, anyway, they've done a couple. This is the second movie they've done. Like they, the show ended like five years ago, and this is the second movie they've done um, exclusive to NBC's app, The Peacock, which isn't the easiest to use um, because it doesn't have an interface with Amazon Prime or Roku right now, and it also doesn't allow you to cast it like chromecast it i think unless you have like a newer chromecast which i don't have so i watched it on my computer with my friends and yeah it's really good before the last movie the like the first one the christmas movie they did uh, one of the main characters tim omenson had a stroke and he plays uh lieutenant lassiter uh in the show and so he was recovering it was a pretty you know bad stroke and he was recovering and so he was he's only has like a tiny video sort of part in that last movie so in this one it's called Lassie Come Home and the story sort of centers around um stuff that happens to him he gets shot early on in the movie and you know I feel like they worked his stroke into it sort of as like him recovering and trying to like get his movement back I mean he's doing a lot better now so that's great and it's just really fun to see this gang back together because I just love this show. I don't know if anyone else out there likes it. I feel like people who like like the show like really love and are invested in the show, but then everyone else I know who like doesn't watch it is just like they have no idea what's going on. Uh, but if you like, you know, funny shows and you know if you want something uplifting, like I've been watching it sort of on repeat the last couple months, like just it's on Amazon Prime right now the entire series then I would just recommend starting it. Uh, it's, it's really fun. It's a really fun series. Um, and those are kind of, yeah, the things I've watched. Obviously, I've probably watched more than that, but uh, those are the things I wrote down that I have watched and want to talk about. Um, that's about it. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I've been listening to um, podcasts, um, not so much knitting podcasts, truthfully, uh, truthfully, um, but I've been obsessed with the Office Ladies podcast. Jenna Fisher, who played Pam Beasley, and Angela Kinsey, who played Angela Martin on The Office, they're best friends, and they started a podcast together called the Office Lady Podcast, Office Ladies Podcast, where they really break down, like, every episode of The Office. Like, there's, like, time codes and, like, catching little, like, cont continuity, like, things. They talk about, like, hair, like, you know, hair and makeup and, like, things that are improvised, and they have all these great interviews, too, with, like, the showrunner and the prop guys and, like, directors of the show, writers of the show, um, you know, obviously actors of the show um, who guest star, and it's just really fun, and I just love them together. They're so clearly best friends, and they're just hilarious, and it's also just really funny to me that 
Angela, if you follow her on social media, you'll see that she's like super goofy and super fun. And I think we actually get along really well. I mean, you know, and, but you know, Angela Martin on the show is so sort of rigid and awful at times. It's just really funny that she is just not like that at all. Um, so I would highly recommend this podcast if you like The Office. So I'm sort of rewatching The Office as I listen to the episodes. I'll usually listen to two or three podcasts that come out every week, and then I'll watch uh, the episodes that go with it. Um, it's just really fun, and you can submit questions, and you know, it's it's really it's really fun, and you know, it just it makes me miss podcasting with Kimberly. Um, but it's okay. I still talk to her all the time. And then if you also, I mean, if you're still into The Office, uh, Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin on The Office, he actually has a, a limited edition, not limited edition, limited series podcast also about The Office on Spotify. Um, I would say both are worth listening to. They're different. Um, I mean, some of the information overlaps a little, but um, The Office Ladies really breaks down individual episodes one by one, whereas the Brian Baumgartner one, it's called The Oral History of The Office, is definitely just a larger overview of the show. And it's got, I think, maybe 12 episodes. They released the first three at once, and then since then it's been like one every week. And that's also really interesting. It has like interviews with, you know, all the cast, I mean, like the writers and stuff. Um, the first episode is really cool because... Um, he talks about sort of the origin of the American version of The Office, and he talks to like Ricky, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, who you know obviously did the original Office um, on the BBC. Uh, so there's a lot of fun information in that too. Um, yeah, so I would highly recommend both if you're an Office fan. And then the other thing I've been really into, which you guys would know um, if you follow me, is puzzles, like jigsaw puzzles, like just those things that people have been doing for a very long time. Um, I have a friend who's into them. She doesn't do them like a crazy amount, but she's, I think she's been doing them since she was young. And so she, you know, has always had one. And before the pandemic, I had actually thought about buying a puzzle somewhere like at Barnes and Noble, but just had it picked one up. And then, of course, the pandemic happened, and uh, she just lent me one, and I did it, and I liked it, so I did another one, and I liked that, too, so now I'm, like, into puzzles. Uh, you know, I've kind of gone hardcore into them right now. I don't know how long that's gonna last. It's, like, they were really hard to find for a while, guys, like, really hard, because I think everyone decided that they wanted to do puzzles, and so I was just buying them wherever I could find them, which was not in a store, like, every store that normally carries them, even online, was just wiped out. I mean, there were a few sources. I Like, you know, Barnes & Noble still had some. And, uh, I mean, I was able to find some on Facebook Marketplace, which is usually, like, often a good t- place to find them. Um, and, you know, now whenever I go to Target or something, I, like, buy some. Um, they're, they're slowly starting to come back. But, but now I have a lot. So I really need to stop buying them and just doing them, which I have been. It's just, I don't do them quickly. It's almost like knitting and yarn. You know, when you first get into it, you buy a ton of yarn, just like a ton and just faster than you can knit, you know? And then at some point you're like, why I have all this yarn and maybe I don't love all of it. So I've been trying to work through some of the puzzles that I don't love, love right now. I mean, I alternate, you know, cause you've never, you know, you don't want to spend time on it if you don't love, love it either. Um, 
so yeah, I'm working through those. I mean, it's a fun hobby though. I do like it. Uh, it, you know, fills the time and I can listen to podcasts or listen to like a movie during it. It's not great on my back, but, uh, I am enjoying it. That has taken up some of my knitting time. I don't know. It's just very Zen to sort of sit there and like sort pieces and colors and, you know, make logical sense out of a mess, which I think is a pretty good metaphor for life at this moment. You know, I think a lot of people are just looking for things to make sense or for there to be some semblance of logic in the world. And I think that's why puzzles have become so popular. But that's just my thoughts. Um, Yeah, so that's another thing I've been doing. And yeah, so it's been like an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, That's been a long time. I don't really know what else. I mean, I have a lot to say. So if you guys want to sign out now, please sign out. Um, I'm going to probably talk for a few more minutes. um, Just sort of about a life update, I guess, for like pandemic life. Um, There's no big life changes, so don't worry. But if you want to peace out, that's totally cool. If you want to stick around for a few more minutes, please do. Um, Yeah, so, you know, I've been working from home since maybe the middle of March and I you know I thought maybe it'd last like a month you know or two but as you know a lot of you know in the United States you know a lot of counties and states were not doing the same thing at the same time and you know I think that's one of the big reasons that we weren't really able to sort of control this as much as we wanted to And, you know, I read a lot, not a lot, but I read, I've read a decent amount of sort of biological disease books, like nonfiction and fiction. So I'm a firm believer that like, you know, pandemics are real, they can happen. Um, You know, I don't want to argue with people about whether or not this thing is real, or if they can get sick. Um, I think science is science. And, you know, if wearing a mask or not going out as much can even help a little, like, why not do it? Like, I just don't, I just, I think it's a very, like, it's just so hard seeing the, what's going on in this country right now, just because as a country, I think most of us are pretty, like, fortunate that we, we do live in this country and that something like a pandemic or a disease that will kill people, uh, is very a foreign idea to us. You know what I mean? I don't think a lot of people realize how lucky we are that this is unusual for us. You know, I'm not saying worldwide pandemics happen all the time, but in other countries and places, like diseases like this do kill people. You know what I mean? Like, I, so I think that's sort of where the people are like, they don't believe it's real or they don't believe it's that bad. It's just because their experience has never led them to, I don't know, see something like this. And I mean, personally, I mean, I was born in the United States, so I don't really have that experience either, but I have a lot of friends and obviously my, my, well, not obviously, but my family is from Vietnam and, you know, it's a poorer country. I mean, especially back when my parents lived there in, you know, like the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And, you know, they've told me stories about how, you know, like, villages, you know, were just decimated because of, like, 
the flu or something like that. Like they probably didn't even know what it was back then, you know? Um, you know, I have family members who, I mean, have died from like the measles and like the flu. And so to, to those like people in those places, like those things are a very real possibility. I just think here in the United States, it's never been that way. And even though people say like, well, people die from the flu all the time. And I'm like, I mean, yes, that's true. But does that, does that mean it's okay? We want, like, we're just going to let these people die. Anyway, I don't know where I got off my tangent, but like, yeah. So anyway, it's just been really hard sort of seeing sort of the tension in the United States because of this and because of other things, obviously, like other social issues. Um, but, you know, I've just been staying in as much as possible. Um, you know, wearing my mask, even when I go walking, because I don't want to have to deal with putting it up and down like constantly or like worrying about if someone runs by me, which they do sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, and I live alone. I mean, I did go see my mom. I told you guys like in July. So that was good. I have a couple of friends that who also live alone where once in a while we'll go on, I mean, I go walking every day pretty much. Sometimes we'll go on a walk together because they live within walking distance of me, um, you know, wear our masks and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not like totally alone, but definitely this pandemic has taken sort of a toll on me emotionally. Um, yeah, because I mean, I've always considered myself like, I mean, I know I am an introverted person, but that doesn't mean I want to be alone all the time. You know, also because a lot of my alone time was spent doing things like I would go to the movies or I would like go shopping or like, you know, like go, I don't know, grab a cupcake somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, so I was, I was still interacting with human beings, just maybe not going with people places all the time. So the pandemic has, you know, really, you know, like made me like you're alone, alone, you know, unless you go to the store or something like that. And even then, like, you know, you're kind of just paranoid the entire time and try to get in and out of there as quickly as possible. So that's been really interesting. Um, you know, I've been texting a lot of people, you know, Zoom calls, etc. And that's helped a lot, truthfully. It has. It's, yeah. So some days are hard, harder than others. And, you know, I know people who are living with people sort of are experiencing the opposite problem. Whereas, like, they just want, like, five minutes away from the people they're living with, but they can't. Uh, so, I mean, everyone's dealing with their own things. And, I mean, I would just, you know, if you're out there, like, I would just, and you're angry or you're sad or whatever, I mean, know that you're not alone. But also, just, if you're just, if you find yourself annoyed at someone or someone doing something, like, just remember that you don't know what they're going through. Uh, you know, just, you know, you just, you don't. Um, you don't know what they're dealing with. And so just try to be kind to each other. I know it's really simple, but I just feel like, I mean, some, I feel like a lot of times people just aren't, you know, and they want to think of themselves. Like this makes me feel this way, or this is inconvenient to me, you know? And I think that's where issues arise. I feel like if we all just try to be kind to each other and, have empathy for each other we're gonna be in a, a, a much better place you know and also in November vote wherever however you want to vote vote 
Um, I'm not saying that you have to vote a certain way, but like, this is your chance to make your voice heard. And I know it doesn't seem like that all the time, you know, like what's one vote going to do, but I, you know, it all adds up. It all matters. It's like knitting and being off gauge. You're like, what's one stitch off, you know, uh, you know what, over 200 stitches, you end up with like four extra inches or something like that. You know, <laughs> think of it that way. I think every little drop in the bucket helps whichever way you want to go. Uh, just, you know, it's your right to vote and you, you should do it because there's a lot going on in this country right now. And, you know, we're all a part of it. Uh, sometimes I wish I could just be in my own little cabin without anyone and not, like, not have to deal with the world. But that's just not how life works. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, didn't mean to get all philosophical on you guys. Um, but yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. Some days are better than others. And I just keep trucking along, uh, you know, doing what I can to hopefully slow the spread of this thing because it's not cool. And people are being affected. And I know people who've had loved ones, you know, pass away and things like that. And it's just terrible, especially if, you know, you, you, something happens now. It's like, you can't even go see the person in the hospital, you know, or have a funeral, which I mean, I think is just terrible. Also, this is not really related to COVID, but Chadwick Boseman passed away from cancer. And like, for some reason, I mean, it's always tragic, right? You know, when anyone dies, but like, it just made me really sad. (laughs) I think it was just so sudden for all of us because no one knew he was even sick and he was just so young. And anyway, yeah, that's been a bummer uh, the last couple of days as well. Um, I kind of want to watch Black Panther, but also I feel like it's going to make me sad. You know, I'm like one of those people, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I feel like it's made me sad, a lot sadder than I thought it was going to make me. Um, and I just feel for his, you know, friends and family. It's just, it's just such a bummer. There's so many bad things going on right now, but like, I know there's good things too. So don't take this as a downer. Um, you know, we have our knitting. I mean, we have hopefully our, you know, friends and family are safe and healthy. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in a lot of ways. It's, yeah, I just, I do hope this thing ends soon. I mean, I hope it like ends in a way where we can fight it and like, you know, people start getting better and all that. And we know more about it, not just, you know, we just pretend everything's gone back to normal, um, which I, is what I feel like a lot of people want, but it's not going to go back to normal. It's just not this. I mean, this has changed everything. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, if you stuck it out till now, thanks. Hopefully I can get this up soon. Uh, no music because I don't want to edit it. And, um, yeah, I'm lazy. Uh, hopefully I'll be back again soon. I'm really sorry for the long, long delay between episodes, but hopefully I'll get back to this more regularly. And if I can get Kimberly on, I will. Um, cause that would be nice. I want to know what she's knitting. Uh, we haven't talked about it lately. So yep, that's it. Hope you guys are well, happy knitting and I'll sign off. Uh, you can find all the show notes on twistedstitchespodcast.blogspot.com. We're also on Instagram as twistedstitchespodcast. And you can find me, Twee, on Ravelry as fishgirl182. Happy knitting, guys. Bye.